1: I'd like to welcome Kathy Lester to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Um, So Kathy, welcome to the show and and go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. And um, I've been a school librarian for um, more than 20 years now. And um, previously, I was actually a software engineer involved in technology. Um, So but I did have a teaching certificate. So at first, um, there just weren't any teaching jobs when I first graduated back in 81. um, So I started working as a software engineer and then managed um, software engineering. But um, in the school library, I've mostly been in middle schools or, and I was in a five, six building for a while, but mostly middle schools. And I'm really active with my state association, the Michigan Association for Media and Education. Okay. I'm a past president of that association and a um, current advocacy chair for them. And I'm also the AASL president elect, but today I'm kind of going to focus on, you know, my role in the school
1: okay. and my own thoughts. Okay. All right, Kathy. I think you're the first person from Michigan that I've interviewed. So, what does it take to become a school librarian in Michigan?
0: Um, Well, in Michigan,
1: um, to be a
0: certified school librarian, you'd need to have a teaching certificate, and you need to have library media endorsement on that teaching certificate. And typically, the library media endorsement requires um, a master's in library information science. and a practicum, and then you also have to pass a teacher test for certification in okay. library media. Um, currently, there's an experimental program at Wayne State University where teachers, so t- people that already have a teacher certification, can add library media endorsement with 15 credits instead of the full master's. Oh, okay. And they still have to. They still have to um, have the practicum and have passed the teacher test for certification, and that's because um, there's a shortage in our state of school librarians, and that got approved to help address the shortage.
1: Okay, interesting. Okay, well, we'll see after this pandemic if there's more retirements in our field, (laughs) and there may be more states doing some innovations like that. That'll be a curious thing to to follow up on. Um, all right. So you told us you've been in library world for quite a while. Um, what do you remember about the earliest years? You're going to have some stories that are different from what our my current audience is experiencing.
0: Um, well, I do remember loving the work right from the beginning,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, working with teachers and students around literacy and technology. Um, but I do you remember that first job that I was specifically hired because of my technology background. I think oh. that's how I got the offer maybe over other um, applicants. And so um, I really tried to hit the ground running, so to speak, by collaborating with teachers on technology projects. Right. I created a library website, which was something my principal was looking for. And I also um, became a part of the district's technology committee. Okay. Um, that's not to say I also worked on literacy initiatives too, but um, I worked promoting reading and expanding the collection. I feel like that particular school already had a really great reading culture and community. And I had lots of students that were already readers. Okay. And it was a point in time where the district was trying to bring in more technology. Okay. So so that was the initial focus.
1: Okay. Very good. And so when you're thinking back to that time, is there anything somebody could have told you that would have been like, oh man, I wish I would have known that?
0: Um, I do feel like um, it's really important for new librarians to understand if their principal or their administrator does have A focus or an idea of what you should be initially doing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, There's so many things you could be focusing on, and it's so hard in your first year. And maybe to narrow that focus, if you have a good understanding of what your administrator's expectations are, I think you can prioritize that first, like I did with the technology, Mm -hmm. and then bring in other aspects of it. Um, For instance, I have a friend who got hired in a district. And there, he knew that they wanted, their collection was really bad. And he knew that that administrator was bringing him in to update that collection and create more of a reading culture in their school. So knowing um, and then developing that relationship with your administrator is really
1: important. Mm -hmm. And that's a good point. It is going to take a conversation, you know, if you're going to ask them, you know, what it is that, that they want you to accomplish, you know, during this first year. But but that's, right. The, you know, we need those yeah. conversations. So.
0: Yeah, and sometimes too, you can get hints in the interview, um, what they focus in on the interview and what questions they ask you most about. And that, but then it's always good to like follow up and build that relationship with your principal. Because then even down the line, as you start to focus more on, you know, Student needs, again, I think it's really important to keep things student-centered. And if you focus on knowing what your students need or knowing what your teachers need, and you want to go back to that administrator to get things approved or have approval for your initiatives, if you start developing that relationship with them right from the start, then it's easier to work down the line and maybe modify things as you get a better feel for what things really need to be done or changed.
1: Yeah. Good point. Good point. All right. So Kathy, as we're, we're looking forward to, you know, school starting back this coming fall, what are some kind of things that you do to get ready for that time?
0: Um, I guess during the summer, this summer in particular, I think I've been trying to do a combination of three things. Okay. Um, read, relax, and re-energize. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm always reading and my reading is basically, um, professional reading and also reading, um, young adult and children's literature too. Okay. Um, and, um, so with reading articles about the, um, profession, I like to stay up to date on, you know, what's going on up there, what are the trends? And, um, so reading articles is always good. And, um, Right now, I'm also reading a lot of diverse novels. I'm on a committee um, with MAME, the Michigan Association, called Myself and Books. Okay. And it's kind of a play on the Michigan MI acronym and then myself. Yeah. Um, So um, I'm reading a lot of books as part of that committee, but I also, I normally read a lot of books anyway. That's why that committee was easy for me to belong to because um, I really think it's important for me to be able to talk about books with kids. Um, so having, you know, reading some recent releases and things like that, then I can go to back to school and get, ki- get kids excited wow, about reading and reading good books and things like that and be able to talk to them about books and also share things with teachers too. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and that idea of relax and re-energize, um, its uh, <laughs> you know I I um, I tr- trying to find slices of time um, for that during the summer too. Um, I recently went to the Finger Lakes and met my son, and that was just amazing. So nice. I think we need to
1: do both. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I heard several people they they refer to this summer as the summer of self care. You know the and. So we so much needed that, you know, as we had 18, 19 months or, you know, more of this time and um, just that time to be ready to go back and ready to face everybody and be excited, you know, about going back. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. All right. So with this pandemic, Kathy, what, what would you say, um, how has it affected, and you could talk about yourself or just even just the profession in general, how has the pandemic affected school librarians? Well,
0: I think my takeaway from the pandemic is that um, school librarians are essential Mm -hmm. um, in supporting our students and our educational community, no matter what mode of learning is. Like um, for me in particular, I've always been a flexible person, um, but I feel like that flexibility was like moved to the forefront during the (laughs) pandemic like um, it and then that flexibility allowed me to like stay focused on the needs of my students and my families but to continually be updating my services to match the needs I think um, you know teacher colleagues were like oh my gosh if I hear that word pivot one more time I'm going to scream because things every two weeks we would have a new schedule we would have a new you know and um, so it was important for me to be flexible, to be able to, um, take my services. Um, and they were, even though the physical library wasn't open, um, I was just as busy and maybe even busier than normal, yeah. um, with supporting everything. And what level of campus do you work at? I'm at a middle school. Middle school. Um,
1: okay.
0: And, um, so, um, I feel like um I took what I normally do um, during the school year, and I feel like that all intensified. Like all of my services became more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, i normally am the technology go-to person in my building. Um, but during the remote learning, it became a bigger part of my job, I feel like. Like I had office hours, virtual office hours really. And I had administrators, teachers, students, families, all coming to those virtual office hours for support. Um, My district went to a new, um, uh, we started using Canvas, the online learning system. And so teachers needed a lot, everyone basically needed a lot of support with that. And, I got up and going on it really early and was able to help everyone with that. Um, And I also really feel like I continued to be a collaborator and co-teacher with my teachers. Um, I was with the virtual classrooms, I was just added as a co-teacher and that way I could really easily help students and staff with um, teaching technology tools, how to be good digital citizens for the kids. Mm-hmm. And then I also teach teachers still on doing research because we were still doing research projects. And
1: okay.
0: um, I'd partner with teachers and um, started out with doing that in virtual classrooms. And then when we started more hybrid or in-person learning, I would um, travel to their classrooms okay. and do that support, even though the physical library never Totally opened a hundred percent last year. Um, I was pushing into classrooms um, once we were in person.
1: Okay, all the time. So I'm curious: is there anything in particular that that you were doing during the pandemic that you plan on continuing once we're back? Yeah,
0: I actually wrote a AASL Knowledge Quest blog post on that particular topic. Okay, and so some of the things I think that I wrote about. Um, we're, um, I think teachers, even if we're in person, they're still going to be using canvas for a lot of their, um, putting lessons in there and things like that. So working as a co-teacher in those online learning, cl- um, classrooms, I think is still an important thing for me to do. It's just a really good way for me to share resources. Yeah. I also did a lot of like video how to's more than I had done in the past. And I really feel like um, that's something that I should continue because sometimes it's hard to be consistent. There's just only one of me in lots of classrooms. And so mm-hmm. if I've got those video how to's, then um, kids that are absent can go to them. Or if I can't make it into a classroom on a particular schedule, yeah. just can access those. Um, another thing I did was, um, on the reading side was I developed, um, this, um, uh, book binge and book bench. I took in input from kids, like what kind of books do you like reading? What kinds of things do you like doing? You know, I had a list of maybe 10 questions for kids to answer. And then I would surprise deliver them like anywhere oh. from four to eight books based uh-huh. on their preferences. And when I would deliver them to classrooms, kids would, they'd be like jumping up and down, they'd be so <laughs> excited. Um, and so I like to continue that I think, even um, post pandemic, cause it was a way to get kids excited about a variety of books. And one thing I think that I found it did too, was push some of my kids into other books that they might not have found um, in another way. Okay. So there were a lot of great outcomes from that. So those are some of the things I remember. There probably were a few more.
1: <laughs> they said book binge. Was there a binge involved or? No, binge,
0: like um, eating binge. or Okay, uh, okay. yeah. okay Like um, some of my colleagues did a similar thing and they called it book fix, like F-I-X. Okay. But I like the word binge better, B-I-N-G-E. Okay. Just for
1: my middle school kids anyway, yeah. That, that, that could be, I, that would be catchy. I could see that for sure. Well, yeah. I like that idea a whole lot. All right. So Kathy, I know that, you know, when you're talking about your resources a lot and um, I know that you have a goal of, of diverse, diverse resources, and you talked about that too with your committee that you're on. Um, so tell us a little bit more about um, the access to diverse resources and services. Right. Um,
0: yeah. You would ask me if, Um, to think about one thing that I'm passionate about, but honestly, there's lots of things that I'm passionate (laughs) about. So this was so hard for me to pick. Um, I'm passionate about information literacy. I'm passionate about, you know, collaborating and co-teaching with teachers, but, um, but right now, um, I think it's really important to give our kids access to diverse resources and service. Um, I did write another knowledge quest blog post about um it was um I was involved in um Michigan's Library Advocacy Day and the theme was more than just books. Okay. And so I started thinking about that and I'm like for school libraries, I really would love that focus to be more than just book checkout.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um because of when you say more than just books, does that diminish the importance of books and literature? To our services. yeah, like I still feel like that's a really important part of our services, that access to literature and reading. Yeah. And um, it's a way that I feel, like I really feel it's important for all kids to have access to school librarians. And one of the reasons why is because we do have that knowledge of diverse books. We do have training in children's and young adult literature that a paraprofessional staff, um, if, if the library is run just by paraprofessionals, they don't have that same expertise. Right. Um, I do feel like right now too, um, for the new librarians out there, that it's really, really important for them to check and make sure their district has um, collection development policies and a challenge policy um so and if they don't have and to read them and understand them and then if they see something lacking in those policies they should you know work with their district or other librarians in their districts to see if those can be updated I do feel like in today's environment um I've just been responding to emails from other librarians in my state um, about you know more challenges coming up um, from parents. And so having that challenge policy is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel I'm really dedicated to making sure that my kids, um, like the routine Sims Bishop have those windows, mirror mirrors, um, and doors, mm-hmm. um, for kids to be able to see themselves and also to see others and build those empathy skills. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like, um, those are really important things, um, kind of as the first steps for um, okay. new
1: librarians. So what are there things in, um, just let's talk first just about collection development policy. Um, the, we know some librarians have not gone to school for you know, our area, our field of expertise. But how would you describe a collection development policy in general words?
0: Um, in general words, like um, we have one in my district and we talk about how we do the selection, like what resources we talk about, um, um, different book review sources that we might use to help us in our selection, like school library journal book reviews or um, book list book reviews. Um, we also talk about um, lists like, um, you know, the Newbery Honor books or, you um, uh multiculturalists that are out there that provide us some um guidance into selecting books yeah um, so we talk about that um in our collection development policies definitely
1: yeah and a lot of people i don't think realize that like you, you were mentioning the 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 review sources most of the vendors I can think of, like Permabound, Follett, Mac, and I'm sure others, when you're searching for books, there's typically a place for you to select has been reviewed by, and you can choose, you know, certain sources, um, or and it could even say has been reviewed by three or more, you know, or five or more. So looking for that kind of thing can really help you um, make better selections.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Definitely so. And I think it helps you too when you're challenged, if you right. say and point to the different book review
1: sources okay. that have
0: identified it as you know a quality book for and appropriate
1: know, for this grade level, you know, this grade right. kids. Yeah. 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 So from my personal experience, I actually in all of my years in the library never had a challenge. Um, th- I was worried there was going to be some, you know, at times, but it never actually went through. Do you have any personal stories that you
0: could share? Um, I have not personally been challenged. Yeah. Um, but um I just received an email yesterday from another Michigan librarian, and there is a group of parents, honestly, that are going through um she has a Follette catalog and I believe the parents are just typing certain words into the catalog and then coming up with a list of books that they're telling things that um, they need to get rid of.
1: That sounds like an organized effort or something, you know?
0: Yeah. I've also seen some posts about parent groups like Facebook parent groups that are organizing, doing that, like organizing, telling parents, how they can go about, um, you know, reaching out and challenging books and in school libraries. Yeah. Across other states too, not just Michigan. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important. I know our association has an intellectual freedom chair and she's amazing and um, she's out there to support mm-hmm. um Librarians in our state who might have challenges, and as well, the American Library Association has an intellectual freedom right. group, and they are also very supportive. So, um, but again, having that challenge policy, so like when a parent group comes and says, "This is the list of books," like the challenge policy says, you have to, you have to have read that entire book. Um and then give specifics about what you're challenging in it so it and then it has to go through a whole review process Mm -hmm. so that might again um hopefully discourage those groups a little bit to you know force them to go ahead and go out and read some of the actual literature before they just yeah um, uh, try to challenge
1: it so if you're new to your job, um, be sure that you do look up that challenge policy, because otherwise, when a parent comes and says, I want you to take this book down, or the principal says, I want you to take this book down, um, you've got something to refer back to, because that, that's like, you know, what you can hold on to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, definitely. This, yeah. I, think,
0: I think it's really important to have that and know that because, um, you know, diverse books means more than just racial acts. Mm-hmm. Um, diversity. It means all of the different types of diversity right. that our kids need access to, whether it be LGBTQ issues, um, issues about, um, you know, abilities, different differing abilities of students. Um, so, um, you know, um, so I do think it's important for us to have yeah. those um, at the appropriate age level, and there's books out there for all age levels. Um, fortunately, I think the um, it, there's still a way to go, but I do think the publishers have been trying to do a better job of providing that variety
1: of books for us to provide to our students. Mm-hmm. And the good thing is, is they're now coming out at all levels, elementary, all the way, you know, through secondary. Yeah,
0: definitely. And, um, and so the myself and books um, committee in Michigan we um, started that last year so we have our 2020 list um, and um, I can bri- provide the link to that because it does break it down by age group it's oh, like okay. k2 uh K3, I forget the exact age groups but k2, 3, 4, 5, 6 okay. um, middle school and then high school books yeah. Yeah. on there and and that's for that so that was like, um, so it's, it was 2020. So it was like the previous two years. And then this year's, we're, we're going to have the new list come out this fall. And it'll be for, you know, 2021 and some books that we missed from 2020. Too.
1: Okay, very good.
0: Uh, and we'll be meeting every year to update that
1: list. And, okay. So for those um, of you who are listening, we have show notes, which is on, on my website, larashinneman.com. But you'll go there and you'll find like the highlights and we'll put links like I'll look for Kathy's articles that she was mentioning earlier. Um, And then we'll link also to these book lists that she's talking about. So be good resources.
0: Yeah, very Mm -hmm. much so. Um, And I do think it helps new librarians, too, if there are some um, good lists of sources of materials that that can help them and support them in their selections. Yeah, most definitely.
1: So any other tips for our beginning librarians
0: um yeah I do feel like it's really important for them to be um members of their state association um and also AASL if they're able to because um you know a lot of times you're the singular person librarian in your building and to start building a network of um, other people that think like you, or you can learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just really important. And um, also who can support you. So I have learned so much from other librarians in my state by being a part of the state association, as well as across our nation by being a part of ASL. And um, I continue to learn yeah. um, from those people. Um, and plus I feel like if there was a challenge or I do need something or I need help with an idea, there are so many librarians in those groups that I can reach out to who can support Mm -hmm. me and help me. Yeah. Um, So again, for new librarians, um, you know, in the beginning, you might not want to get as active as, you know, um, joining all the committees or whatever, but. Even to just um, be a part and receive the information, so that you can um, kind of listen in and learn. Um, I think it would—it's a great idea.
1: Yeah, good point. Very good. All right, so Kathy, um, you—you've done a lot, you know, at your state level, and now moving on to the national level. What kind of things do you do to keep growing professionally?
0: Um, I do attend. Um, a variety of um, conferences. um, And I guess that's, you know, now virtually (laughs) in the past, you know, um, in my state, um, I've, I've attended the Michigan Reading Association, um, as well as our school library conference. And luckily, the and some people might not think this is luckily, but for me, luckily the Michigan Reading Association has always been on the weekend. Okay. So I can attend it without having to take more time off school Mm because I know that's a huge issue for a lot of us is we can't take time off school.
1: Right. Um,
0: But I also, as I mentioned earlier, I do read a lot of articles. Um, I subscribe, I don't know, the School Library Journal, School Library Connection, Teacher Librarian, um, I just, I'm on Twitter, so there's a lot to learn, even just in the library Twitter world. Mm-hmm. Um, people will share. I mean, I find librarians are wonderful collaborators and sharers. Um, so I, that helps me. Um, but by listening into other educational um, worlds too, I feel like I also learn, like, In the Michigan Reading Association, that is more than just librarians. So I learn stuff, other things going on in the educational world than just my narrow view. Yeah. I also try to be
1: aware of um, other things as well. Okay. Very good point there. All right. So, Kathy, if any of our listeners want to connect with you and and follow you, where will they find you online so they can learn with you?
0: Um, I mostly on Twitter. Yeah. At, and my hashtag, my library is at library L. Okay. My last name L. And um, I had been blogging on Knowledge Quest. Um, however, because of my current role, I probably won't be blogging again till next year on okay. Knowledge Quest. So, um, so and. Um, you know, if people want to reach out to me too, I can also give my email address. Um, the, my library email address is kathylester.live at gmail.com.
1: And that would be the other place. And then we'll also link to that diverse books resources that you had mentioned. Right. That would be awesome. Um, Kathy, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I appreciate everything that you shared and um, I look forward to seeing what you're going to do as the president-elect and future president of ASL. It's going to be exciting. So, thank you very much. I appreciate
0: um, your time today and um, being able to be on your
1: show. Thank you. Well, have a great day, and I'll look forward to chatting another time. Bye bye. Bye bye.